Welcome back to And She Did. Today, we are so excited to be interviewing Kelly Pagador. Kelly is a sophomore at Stanford University studying psychology and playing for Stanford Varsity women's soccer team. This past season, Kelly and the Stanford women's soccer team won the Pac-12, an athletic conference for Division I athletes in the Western U.S. As an intersection of her athletic and academic interests, Kelly is also a research assistant in Stanford Psychology Department's Mind and Body Lab. Kelly wanted to play competitive soccer for Stanford University, and she did. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We are super excited to learn more about you and to also be able to share your story with our listeners. Um, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm super excited and really great today. How are you guys? We're doing super well, especially because we get to interview you today. It's always a fun day when we get to interview somebody super cool for the podcast. So to start off, could you provide a brief introduction to our listeners? Where are you from? What are your interests? Yeah, I'm from Roseville, California, which is a city right by Sacramento. And my interests outside of soccer are that I like to be outdoors. So going to the beach, going on hikes, surfing. I also like to read mostly nonfiction books and interested in psychology, specifically the mind-body connection. Wonderful. And yes, we definitely are going to talk a little bit about your interest in psychology later as well. So thank you um, for that wonderful introduction. And as we mentioned, you're currently finishing up your second year playing on Stanford's varsity women's soccer team. So we were wondering if you could share with us, how did you first gain interest in soccer and what particularly drew you to this sport? And at what age did you start playing? I started playing when I was five years old. My older sister, who's six years older than me, also played soccer. So I kind of just wanted to do whatever she was doing. So that kind of first sparked my interest. And I was also just brought to all of her soccer games. So just introduced to the soccer environment at an early age. And what really drew me to the sport was actually that my friends were on the team that I first joined. And fun fact, I actually did not like soccer at first. I liked basketball more. Um, but then it started to become more fun as time went on and I got older. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about that. It's really interesting sometimes how we're drawn to sports for different reasons than we end up staying with them. So it's really interesting to hear about that. So at what point did you know that you wanted to pursue soccer at an elite level? It's definitely such a commitment to be playing soccer at such a high level. So how did your career progress from middle school and high school to now being at Stanford? Yeah, I would say in seventh or eighth grade was when I knew that it was possible to play that next level like college. And in middle school is when I started to also just take soccer more seriously in general. I stopped playing basketball and volleyball, which were the other two sports I was playing. It was getting too hard to kind of juggle between the three. And then I solely just focused on soccer at that point. I played for a local club called Plaza United and just would train a lot on my own. And then in sixth grade, my coach pushed me to practice with his boys team. So at that time, I realized kind of my own potential and what could be like positive possibilities in the future of just like getting better and kind of the player that I could become. I was also just getting invited to a lot of Northern California trainings where the top players kind of come together in NorCal. 
and they train in sometimes clan tournaments, which was just super fun. And I got invited to my first youth national team camp in eighth grade. And from there, I just kept growing and getting better as a player and kind of just wanted to get better, like just wanted to learn more um, in my position that I was playing. I also played up on my club team with girls that were like two years older than me. So going into high school, I was still playing with this club team and then just kept getting invited to youth national team camps. So I was having a lot of fun traveling and playing with some of my best friends. And then my sophomore year, I tore my ACL, which made me out of soccer for a while, which I will get into a little bit more detail shortly, but that injury took up most of my high school soccer career. I then finally came back for a couple of months, my senior year of high school, and then got another surgery, which then I was fully pain-free and back playing the summer before coming into Stanford, which I feel like a lot of people don't know, but um, coming into Stanford my freshman year was hard because I had been out for so long, but I was just like so excited and was playing with like a new appreciation for the sport. And my confidence, I mean, was up at first because I was kind of just had all this adrenaline and, but then I kind of hit a low point, like my confidence kind of dropped and went up and down throughout freshman year. But I would say that I grew so much as a player and if you were to see me as like a teammate or my coaches, you could clearly see my growth from freshman to sophomore year. And I would say that sophomore year wasn't like, it was great and I had a successful season, but there were definitely hard times. Like it wasn't easy. I had to be patient and wait for an opportunity to come so I can show that I was more confident and ready to play and can make an impact. I knew this like as a player like I knew this about myself but I had to kind of wait for that opportunity to show my coaches and then as we prepare for spring season now which is just fun to kind of see where we are at a as a team it's also just an essential time for like this upcoming fall which will be my third season and I'm just finding ways to get better in my position as a defender focusing on the best like the way or I'm focusing just like being the best teammate that I can be and with that just having fun just playing with like freedom um but also just having fun with my teammates off the field I love that and that's so important to kind of prioritize having fun and enjoying the sport because I know once people get to an elite level sometimes that part of the sport, what really drew you to it in the first place is kind of lost. And like you said, um, having your teammates on this, on your team and, and really like the camaraderie is something that initially drew you in. So I'm so happy to hear that that's something you're still fostering even today. Um, and like you mentioned, when you were in high school, unfortunately, you suffered an ACL injury, which is in itself an extremely challenging injury, but also with further knee complications. Um, it sounds like that just added on top of it. And your comeback story is incredibly inspiring. And we were wondering if you could share a bit about your recovery experience. So what was the journey from first being injured um, and then eventually getting back to competition? And what were both the physical and mental struggles that you have may have faced during this time? And how were you able to face them and ultimately overcome them? 
Yeah, my yeah, my ACL injury, like like I said, took a long time and but it's also like something that I consider as part of my identity now. It's a big part of who I am as a person today. I tore my ACL my sophomore year in high school and ended up having a couple complications. I had a cyclops lesion, which essentially is like a big ball of scar tissue behind my kneecap. It is like seen with those who get ACL surgery, um, but I kind of had, hadn't heard of it and doctors kind of weren't coming to conclusion like this is what it was like clearly. Um, it prevented me from fully extending my knee and I also had peripheral neuropathy, which I experienced different symptoms on the side of my shin and the top of my foot. So it wasn't like the knee at this point that was concerning. I had like pins and needles sensations and burning sensations to dull pain. And during this time, I just felt stuck. I wasn't progressing, like my knee wasn't progressing because I couldn't fully extend my knee. And we, like my parents and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. Um, and then we also had to just find new doctors and get second and third opinions to make sure like, what the next steps that we took were kind of the right ones and were gonna get me back to playing soccer again. So I finally got the scar tissue taken out and the ner a nerve decompression about eight months after the initial, initial ACL repair. And after that surgery was when I felt like I finally like started my rehab for my knee and was finally making progress in which my knee was feeling great at the time. So I was able to play eventually in my first games two years after the surgery, which was fall of my senior year in high school. And I was back playing with my club team for about six or seven months, but then I had this pain and numbness. It was like this dull pain still on the top of my foot and then numbness on the top of my foot. And it was also on my left side. So my left knee and my left foot and I'm a lefty, so that kind of kind of hindered my like confidence and my touch. Just like playing soccer in general, you're always touching a ball. So I decided to get another nerve decompression at the end of my senior year of high school. And I was playing pain-free for the first time my summer going to freshman year at Stanford. And I currently still have numbness on the top of my foot till this day, but I've learn to play with it and like now it's my new normal and now it doesn't bother me and I kind of use it as like that edge or kind of like a leg up that like and it also like proved to me that I could kind of do anything I set my mind to which just was kind of a perspective switch and I would say like I've talked a lot about the physical struggles but mentally it was just hard and I haven't really talked a lot about the mental side of it but there were a couple times I just like wanted to go see a sports psychologist because it was just so hard and I couldn't watch soccer practice because it just like made me sad like seeing even though I love my teammates I would kind of go to practice and have this like hope and like tell people that I'm like oh yeah I'm doing good and I like will get there eventually but I still felt stuck and was not progressing um like truly. So during this time, I kind of like stepped away from soccer. I like didn't go to practices and like didn't really go to games either. 
And since I was playing up at the time, like those girls were graduating. So I kind of didn't have a club, like a club team that I was with. And like, that was also a hard time. Um, but the, the best decision for me was to step away completely. And this allowed me to kind of have this tunnel vision to just focus on rehab, going to physical therapy right after school. And um, at the time I was verbally committed to play soccer already at Stanford. So my goal was to just be able to play soccer at Stanford, no matter how long it took. And um, again, just like focusing on the rehab and school. But I was able to make it through these like two and a half years of physical therapy and trying new pain treatments and all that. Uh, because like I started to lean on my faith and I knew that I had to focus on the positives and find little wins throughout my recovery, like walking and then jogging. Um, this allowed me to just be more grateful. And I also just had to be grateful for the opportunities that I would not have experienced if I was playing soccer during that time. I met so many amazing people from switching schools to the physical therapists I work with, trainers, and I even found new mentors and some friends just from switching schools. And yeah, so switching my perspective was like another key factor in how I was able to keep going through my rehab despite like the little bumps in the road and um, kind of the little adversities that were coming, even though this was an already like adverse time, but I did this by kind of reflecting and journaling about how I was feeling at the time and also listened to a lot of motivational speakers and one of them being with um, one of them being Inky Johnson his speeches and podcasts like motivate me like anytime I listen to them so that was like the first time I was introduced to like the idea of perspective and the importance of it when facing adversity so I just knew that I had to like harness kind of like those concepts like to get me through this hard time. I think it's so amazing to kind of see how that perspective shift played such a big role in not only your mental health, but also your physical health going forward. And I think that honestly just speaks to something so cool about psychology, which I'm sure you're also interested in because you're a psychology major. Um, and it's just really interesting to see how sometimes shifting your perspective or shifting your mindset can really impact the way that you feel and the way that your body responds. And so it's just amazing to hear that. And your whole story is so inspiring. I know that there were so many highs and lows, but I'm really glad that you ended up in a place where you're playing and kind of adapted to the things that have happened in the past especially like the numbness in your foot that you were talking about I think it's amazing that that's become your new normal as you put it I think that's just a really really good way to look at things so thank you so much for sharing and opening up about that I'm sure it's something that's hard to talk about so we really appreciate you sharing it with our audience and we know it'll help so many other people that are going through other situations like this so now that you're finishing your second year at Stanford, how has your experience been competing as a Div 1 athlete? What have been the highs and the lows of your Stanford career so far? Yeah, if thinking about my, my overall experience so far, if I could choose like one word to describe it, I would say exciting. And I say exciting because there are just these lows and times that are hard um, and times that haven't gone my way, but it makes those times 
of highs and the good times just allows me to be so much more appreciative of those times. And I would say that one of the main lows was like, again, my confidence dropping my freshman year and really just not playing the way that I knew I could. And then having a hard time finding just consistency with practice every day. Like everyone has off days, but it's frustrating when it's like, it's not clicking or I don't know, just not finding that like, I guess it was hard because of my injury because I kind of compared myself to kind of my old self before and I had this idea of who I could be as a player but I wasn't like there yet um, and eventually I get there but just that was definitely a low um, but there's so so many highs as well such as playing just with my best friends and trusting the process Another high has been like the ability to get better every day. We have such a talented team that we're able to compete like every single day at practice and push each other to make each other better. Um, and then also just a high being, like you mentioned, we won the Pac-12 this year, which was super exciting. Um, but again, it like allows us to kind of reach for something bigger, which everyone coming here to Stanford especially Stanford soccer team is a goal is to just win the win a national championship. So I hope that I can do that during my time here. Wow. I totally resonated with so many things that you were saying. I think that especially in those times when things aren't going exactly your way or things aren't clicking, like that's the time when you learn to trust the process, but it's so hard. It's easy to trust the process when things are going well, but like during those hard times is when it like really comes through. Um, and it's it's so clear that you've you've been able to trust the process and that it obviously has gotten you to so many incredible places like um, winning the Pac-12, which first of all, congratulations, that is so huge. Um, so yeah, that is incredible. And, and thank you so much for sharing about more about your experience at Stanford. And so as obviously a division one athlete, um, your schedule is in, in extremely intense, um, managing both academics and athletics. And we are wondering what does a normal day in your life look like and how are you able to manage these um, athletic and academic demands um, at Stanford? Yeah, honestly, every day is different uh, just because of classes and the practice schedule. But like one example from this quarter now in spring quarter like one of my days like a Tuesday for example is like waking up in the morning um at 7 a.m and going to lift we have to get there at like 7 45 and then I go to two lectures and then I'll go back to my dorm take a quick nap and then we have training from three to five and after that I'll just get dinner go back to my dorm and do some work by that time I'm pretty tired. So just like get as much work done as I can and go to sleep and do it all over again. But I would say that I manage my time by prioritizing like what, just like what needs to be done first and then doing that just so then things don't build up because things build up really fast. So I've definitely had to learn just each quarter from what kind of works best for me. and. Yeah, and I, like I said, it's just tiring overall. So when I do feel super tired, a way that I manage that is just like taking a nap. I love to take naps and this allows me to just be like ready for the next practice or like class or just to be do, 
to be able to do work like later in the night. Um, but like I kind of mentioned, I really just learned from what works for me and what doesn't work like each quarter in terms of finding balance between soccer and school. Thank you so much for sharing. I think sometimes it's just so much trial and error to figure out what works for you. And I'm also a huge fan of taking naps. I know that sometimes people say that taking naps is a waste of time, but I'm of the belief that naps are just such a good reset. So I'm really glad to hear that that's something that you resonate with. And I'm really glad to hear that you've kind of figured out a flow that works for you. So you're also interested in psychology, which is so interesting. And I'm sure that takes up a lot of your academic time working on things related to your major. So what first sparked your interest in this subject? Yeah, so what first sparked my injury, or sorry, sorry what first sparked my, oh my gosh, I have to restart. Yeah, what first sparked my intro, it, oh my gosh, this will be edited It's totally out. fine, it's totally fine. Sorry, okay. Yeah, what first sparked my interest in psychology was actually during my recovery. I read a book on the mind-body connection. It was called Dr. You. It was, I remember I was just reading it after one of my surgeries because I had nothing else to do. And I was amazed that like we can just create these biological changes in our body by the power of our minds. And then also it introduced like the placebo effect. So that was super cool to just learn about. And then this also encouraged me to focus on the positives throughout my rehab and the power of that. I remember actually just laying in my bed with my knee and leg elevated, uh, just watching YouTube videos and like TED Talks on the mind-body connection. And then I eventually ran or I eventually found Dr. Aliyah Crum's TED Talk, uh, which was one of those opportunities that came from my injury that I had no IT idea at the time, um, which we'll again talk about in a little. Um, but I actually ended up taking Dr. Crum's intro seminar my freshman year, which was just the coolest opportunity where I knew or I figured out that I knew that I wanted to just learn more about the different ways our thoughts and beliefs can influence our bodies. We've talked about this before, but we have such similar stories with getting introduced to Dr. Krem's work, like during our injuries. Um, but I totally resonate with that. I think learning that by shifting our perspective or our mindsets about things, we can actually affect our physiology. Like that absolutely blows my mind. Um, and this year you actually started working as a research assistant in the Stanford Psychology Department's Mind and Body Lab, which is Dr. Leah Crum's lab. And that's where we met each other. And we were wondering if you could share a bit about what this lab research is and what type of work have you been doing there and how's your experience been so far? My experience in the Vine Body Lab and being in there has been actually one of my favorite, favorite experiences at Stanford. And it honestly is another motivator in my life outside of soccer and kind of makes me realize that I could like do both school and soccer, which is just super cool. Um, but again, one of my favorite things is just like learning from the people in the lab and meeting great people like you, Zoe. And it's been really impactful in terms of learning more um, about like psychology and the mind body, but also just figuring out what I want to do with psychology and in the future in general. I've learned that there are many different paths to take and 
to make it into a lab like the Mind Body Lab at Stanford. The lab researches how our thoughts, beliefs, and expectations have an effect in the context of medicine, personal health, and has the intent of improving public health and healthcare. I'm currently in my second quarter of, of being a research assistant, so I'm still kind of like in that introductory phase, I feel like personally. Um, and I've helped so far with a last part of a longitudinal study of a COVID physio study where I got to process some blood samples, which were tested to see if the effects of certain mindsets and beliefs on COVID and during that time to see if there was a change in like anti-inflammatory markers. I'm currently doing a literature review for a paper that Dr. Crum is currently writing. And along with that, I'm just going through a study that is about to be released to participants. That is so, so cool. I've heard so much about this from Zoe, and I also have now heard more about it from you. And it's just so great to hear about the different things that you guys are working on in the Mind and Body Lab. I am not familiar with the Mind and Body Lab until now. And now I just am like, every single time, I'm like, I need to learn more about this um, and about Dr. Crumb's work. So thank you so much for sharing. And I'm really excited to see what ends up happening with your work in the psychology space and with this lab's work in the psychology space. So with that in mind, kind of looking towards the future, what are your future goals and plans, both related to soccer and outside of soccer? My future is not completely planned out, but I always like, say that if I love if I still love to play soccer that I would like to keep playing after college and then in doing that I hope I'll still be able to continue studying and possibly get my PhD in the field of psychology um some possibilities could be like either working in the clinical setting academia or maybe like sports psych honestly just hope hoping that I could just help people and help introduce kind of like mindsets and the importance of it to people that don't know already. Well, we are so excited to see your path and see where you go in the future. I know there are only good things ahead. Um, and for our final question on our podcast, we like to ask, what is your advice to other young women who want to push themselves to their highest potential, such as you have? I love this question. Um, okay. Yeah, it's, I think it's just important to have these big visions and big dreams, especially as young women, and to write them down. I think those, these visions and goals are what motivates us to keep growing as a person and like whatever, what, and whatever we want to do until we accomplish whatever that may be. And it also forces us to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone um, is like, again, that motivator to do that. And in order to get to where you have, where you want to be, you have to just work hard and do all the little things right. You may have to be patient at times, but like if you do all the little things right, eventually things will come together and whatever that goal may be, you'll be able to say that all your hard work and just time and effort that you put into and like just passion was all worth it and I would also say that a goal or vision should not only be the source of like everyday motivation but it should also bring you joy and should be something that you love to do.
Kelly, thank you so much for that advice. And thank you so, so much for coming on our podcast today. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was just a great time talking to you guys. Yes, thank you so much, Kelly. I'm so grateful to know you and I'm so happy that you could come on our podcast today and we could hear a bit more about your story and journey. And to our listeners, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode and stay tuned for more episodes.